You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Youth Minister Andy Fidock. Our reading today is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hello, church. Today we're continuing our series on giving thanks. And next week is actually our Thanksgiving service, the end of this series. So that's something for us to be looking forward to. But today specifically, I'm going to be talking about giving thanks in all that you do. And there's lots to be thankful for at the moment, right? If you're living here in Melbourne, we're just starting to enjoy the freedoms coming out of a long lockdown the last couple of weeks. Uh, Christmas is just around the corner. The sun has been shining more and it just feels like a good time to be alive. It's pretty easy at the moment for us to think of things to be thankful for. And we know that being thankful is good for us, right? Uh, Last week, Del shared with us how there's research that shows that if you were practicing gratitude, you were better able to cope with the COVID-19 pandemic. I myself also decided to do a little bit of researching into thankfulness. Uh, I am someone who enjoys to read research articles now and then, so decided to have a look and I found out some pretty amazing health benefits to gratitude. And one study I read, they found that people with high levels of gratitude experience better sleep quality and better sleep duration. Another study of university age students found that uh, those that practice gratitude regularly had a lower risk of suicide. And other studies showed that it reduces the severity of high blood pressure and stress in healthcare workers. So just from that little bit of Googling and reading I did, came up with a pretty impressive list of what gratitude can do for us. But like absolutely anyone at any point in their life can decide to increase their thankfulness, to improve their health and well-being. So what makes what Paul is saying about gratitude different than that? How does Jesus make a difference to what our gratitude looks like? Because the gratitude that we're going to be talking about today isn't just about you or me having a bit of a better life and having a positive um, thought life as well. But the kind of gratitude we're going to talk about has the power to change everything, uh, our whole church community and the way that the world sees us as followers of Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us first and then we're going to jump into that together. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share with your church um, yeah, about what you've been teaching me through this part of the Bible. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide my words as I speak now. Um, yeah, and that you're preparing the hearts of those that are listening, that they too would be able to um, receive from you the things that you have to teach them. Amen. 
So if thankfulness is something that is so good for us, we know it's good for our health, just a good thing for us to do, why is it sometimes so hard for us to do? Like, you know, when things in life aren't going so well, when there isn't really anything that we feel like being thankful for. Over the last two years, there's been a particular story in the Bible that has been really comforting to me. And it's about this guy called Job. This is a book in the Old Testament. And Job loses everything. And when I say everything, I mean literally everything is taken from him. Firstly, he finds out that his oxen and his donkeys have been attacked and killed. Then a fire comes and kills his sheep and his servants. Then a sandstorm kills all of his children. And then on top of that, he starts to get real sick. And instead of having supportive friends, they start being real jerks to him and saying that it's all his fault. Maybe sometimes you can relate to Job. You know, for example, in 2020, the COVID pandemic hits Australia. That's been pretty awful for all of us. But hey, you might have thought at the start, it's not too bad. Like I still have a job and I'm really thankful for that. But maybe after a month or so, your company can no longer afford to keep you on as the pandemic just kept dragging out. So you lose your job, but you think, it's okay, God, I have my family and I really love my family. So thank you for that. But then maybe someone in your family passes away. Maybe someone in your family gets COVID or your family starts to have a breakdown and you start to get sick. And it's really like, God, what is there left to be thankful for? Like, I'm really, I'm trying to hold on and count my blessings, but I'm really struggling, God. I just can't seem to catch a break. All, imagining all that happening in our lives is pretty horrible stuff to go on. It's stuff that many of us have experienced over these last two years. But what about broadening it out? What about people who are experiencing abuse or places around the world that are still ravaged by COVID where thousands of people are dying daily? What about people fleeing war-torn countries or those unlawfully imprisoned or stuck in a sex trafficking ring or those that are dying because of starvation and poverty? How could those people possibly be expected to give thanks in all that they do? There has to be something more, right? to what Paul is saying. The Journal of Psychiatry defines gratitude as the appreciation of what is valuable and meaningful to oneself. So how do we keep being grateful in our lives when inevitably stuff happens and it feels like everything that we find valuable and everything that we find meaningful has been taken away from us is gone? This is where who Jesus is and what he has done actually does change everything for us. Because if you make the decision that the thing that you find most valuable and most meaningful than anything else in your life, then you're always going to have something to be thankful for, regardless of what life throws at you and what happens, whatever circumstance you're in. If this is your first time joining us today, you might be thinking, okay, but what could possibly be that? good like what has Jesus actually done Uh, and it's impossible for me to capture all of that in just one talk but what God did is he sent his son Jesus uh, to live among humans some 2,000 years ago fulfilling ancient prophecy that God would one day send a savior to come and redeem the human's relationship with God when Jesus came he died and took on the punishment that we actually deserved so 
all this crap stuff that we do that causes pain and hurt when we put ourselves or other things in front of God, uh, Jesus took on the punishment for all that pain and hurt that we did. So it means that in Jesus is how we experience God's unconditional love. Uh, We receive the gift of his Holy Spirit living inside us. We get to experience healing of ourselves and healing and redemption of our relationships with other people. And then on top of all that good stuff, through Jesus, we also have hope for the future. That's a hope that one day we're going to live an eternal life with God in a place that there is no more death anymore. There's no more crying or pain anymore forever. What Jesus has done for you, that good news is something that nothing can take away. Nothing can be taken happen that can take that away from you. So a world pandemic, your family breaking down, your own personal sickness, not even war, poverty and abuse can take away what Jesus has done. In my youth life group a few weeks ago, we started this video series and we watched this video um, where they interviewed this woman who was living in a refugee camp in Uganda. And they were asking her some questions about her life. And she shared that the reason that she was in this refugee camp is because her and her children had to flee from the war in South Sudan. And they fled from South Sudan after she and her children watched her brother and then her husband get murdered in front of them. And so in the middle of the night, she grabbed her kids and no other belongings and started trekking through a jungle to get to safety. And when the interviewer asked this lady, how did you do it? What gave you hope? What how did you get through that? Um, She said, I find my hope in Jesus. And very emotionally, she said, because of his salvation, I live each day. Um, I have hope because of him. You see, this kind of thankfulness, this is where we start to uncover the gold in what Paul is actually telling us in Colossians today. When in verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Famously, in this letter to the Colossians, Paul describes the church, so everyone who's a follower of Jesus, uh, as belonging to one body, the body of Christ. This is a visual depiction of what the church is like that I really love and I think will really help us to understand what Paul is really getting at in this reading. So for a moment, I want you to think about your own body. Uh, When you're feeling peaceful in your body, what does it feel like? Uh, When I think about peace, I think about deep breaths of relaxation, that feeling of uh, stillness and rest, that I feel calm in my situation at the time. I don't know about you though, (laughs) but sometimes I find it pretty hard to feel that kind of peace, that kind of rest and stillness in my entire body. You know, I might be thinking in my mind, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty calm. Um, I'm not stressed about that talk that I have to record later this week. I'm feeling good about all my assignments are done and I'm not even worried about that fight I had with my mom anymore. But then maybe I have to focus on something a little bit harder or it gets towards the end of the day and I'm ready to go to bed. And I realize, oh, I actually have a bit of a headache and my mind seems to be racing. Maybe I'm not as calm as I thought I was. Or maybe you're someone that feels lack of peace in your gut and you go up to your family and you're like, oh, guys, that that dinner we had last night, was that off? Because like, oh, 
Everyone else in your family is like, no, I think that's just you. <laughs> or maybe someone comes up to you and starts to give your shoulders a bit of a rub and they go, oh, you're really tight. And you're like, oh, really? I thought I was like really calm. Are you sure? You see, if we translate that to the church being the body of Christ as all belonging to one body, then when we want to be a body that entirely experiences peace, we don't want to be a part of the body that is causing the church to have tight shoulders because we're not letting the peace that we get from the hope of what Jesus has done rule in our hearts. That deep peace is what should rule our hearts and our lives. You see, this was a message that the church in Colossae really needed to hear uh, when Paul wrote this letter to them. As we found out last week, Del shared with us that when Paul wrote this letter, he was actually in prison, so he was in captivity. And so you'd think, you know, maybe as he's writing this letter, he's like, oh, I'm in captivity, it's really bad, these are all the reasons why. But instead of that, he actually talks about how he's afraid of the Colossian people, um, that they are going to become captives. And he's not talking about a physical captivity like him. He's not worried that they're going to end up in prison. He's actually talking to them about a spiritual captivity because at the time there were people spreading false teaching among the Colossians saying, you know, Jesus isn't really all it is cracked up to be. Like he's not really the way you get your salvation. He's not the way the whole world was created. Like this Jesus guy, he's good, but he's not everything. So that kind of teaching was really causing disunity in the body of Christ at the time. And that meant that there was a, like, there wasn't peace going on in that place. And I'm going to say that I think that same message that Paul is giving is really important for us now today too. Because if you think about it, all the time we're constantly being bombarded with information on where we can truly find our peace. Uh, in the media, at school, with our friends, at work, all these different places, different people and voices are telling us, you know, you'll feel better, you'll have true peace if you go on the right holiday or, you know, doing that right kind of exercise or that, that meditation thing I learned about. Or, you know, it's really, you just need financial security and then you'll feel peaceful about your life. Maybe you'll feel good if you feel peaceful about the way you look or you have a successful career. There's just so many places and ways that we're told that we can find peace in our life. So if there are all these different things that we're trying to find our peace in, then if we're one body, the body of Christ, and we're getting pulled in all these different directions, all these different things we're letting rule in our hearts, then there's going to be conflict and disagreement, misunderstanding caused in our church because we disagree on what things are most important. Because Christ won't really be ruling in our hearts, will he? So if the body, the body of Christ is not unified, then it's not going to function very healthily, which means we're not going to be able to come together to praise God well. And we're not going to be able to share his goodness with other people effectively. The kind of peace that Jesus offers us isn't superficial or momentary. It's not something that just I can get and just you can get. But this kind of peace changes everything. It also changes the way that we live and make our decisions and how we relate to one another in community and as the body of Christ. Fortunately, letting that peace of Christ be the thing that rules in your hearts is not something that you're expected to do alone. In fact, you shouldn't do it alone. It is something that we are called to do together as the body of Christ. So if we read in verse 16 of our reading, it says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It is in this community, the body of Christ, that we let the message of Christ dwell among us richly. Firstly, Paul says in that bit, we do it by teaching one another. So by teaching, it doesn't just mean me or someone else getting up the front and doing a sermon, but it's actually everyone's role in the body. So that means in your families, in your life groups with your friends, all of us, it's our, all of our job to be sharing the good news with one another and sharing how that changes the way we see the world and the way we live each day. Another thing Paul says is that we do this by admonishing one another. Uh, now, when I first read the word admonish in our passage, I definitely had to look up what it meant. But essentially, the definition of admonish is to warn or to reprimand someone firmly. So if we're the body of Christ, what that actually looks like is creating safe spaces where we have um, healthy relationships of transparency and honesty, where we can actually be open to each other with what's happening in our lives and have people that we trust and love to speak into our lives when they see that the way we're living doesn't really reflect the good news about Jesus. A really great place for us to do this is actually in life groups. Uh, so if you haven't heard of what a life group is, it is what uh, our church has these smaller groups of people that meet weekly or sometimes fortnightly to look at God's word together in the Bible, to pray with one another and truly try, really try to unpack and support each other uh, in living a life that reflects the gospel. And it's good because you're with these same people week on and week out. So you develop that relationship of trust and transparency where it's actually nice to have someone be able to speak into your life like that. Um, I have an example from my own life of this happening. When I was in high school, I remember one day I was having um, a phone call with a really good friend of mine uh, and we were just talking about our different schools and what it was going like. And we started to talk about parties and the party culture at our school and drinking culture and stuff like that. Um, and as we were talking, I shared with my friend, I was like, yeah, so I'm definitely going to get drunk at least once in my life. You know, I just want to see what it's like. Um, and she, also being a follower of Jesus, took this opportunity to speak into my life. And she said, Andy, why? Like, why would you want to put yourself in a situation where you're under the influence of something, uh, where you're no longer in the same control that you would be if you weren't in that altered state from drinking lots of alcohol? Like, why wouldn't you want to be in a position where you can keep asking God what he wants for you and what he wants you to do each moment by moment? And I'd never really thought about it like that. So I was really like, huh, you're right. <laughs> that is something I need to think more about before I do or not do. <laughs> uh, so Paul says in this verse that we're looking at that when we teach and admonish each other, we're to do it with all wisdom. So it doesn't mean that uh, we're just telling people what to do from our own opinion or some sort of moral high ground that we might think we sit on. But actually, uh, it means to do it from wisdom that can only truly come from God because God is the true source of wisdom. And the way we grow in that kind of wisdom is when we spend time with God, when we ask to be filled with his spirit to guide us, and when we look at his word together and unpack what he's telling us there. This kind of wisdom is founded in love. Paul also encourages us some other ways that we can let the message of Christ dwell richly among us. He says that through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit with gratitude in your hearts. 
When we praise God and we actually thank Him for what He's done, that's a great way for us to remember what He has done. So when we come together, when we sing songs at church, um, when we read Psalms and sing them from the Bible, um, and we ask to be filled with God's Spirit and sing to Him in that time, then we actually are united in Christ's body uh, because we're sharing together the truth that the truth of Christ, that's what we're proclaiming. Um, I know from my experience and from chatting to lots of youth, times of worship in church and on camps with other people is some of the most powerful times in their faith because it's not about us just coming together and singing a few nice songs, uh, but actually what we're doing is we're creating a space where we're asking God's Spirit to move. Uh, we're actually putting ourselves aside in that time to say like, wow, God, like, wow, thank you for what you have done. When we come to our last verse of our reading today, in verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, so that's whether it's the things you say or the actions you take, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So these last few weeks, I've obviously had thankfulness on my mind as I've been preparing to this talk. Um, and to start with, I was like, oh, well, if I'm talking about giving thanks in all you do, then I should probably practice thanking God for everything. Um, so for a couple of days, <laughs> as soon as I woke up and as soon as I remembered, I'd be like, oh, God, thank you for my bed. I really appreciate this bed. Um, and then I'd walk into the kitchen and get my breakfast and I'd, I'm downing my almond milk and cereal. I'd be like, oh, yeah, God, thanks for my breakfast. It's really good. Um, but if I'm being perfectly honest with you, after a little while, uh, oh, it just started to be a bit of a drainer and it felt like a bit of a chore. Um, and then I felt bad for thinking that when I felt like I didn't really want to thank God for everything in my life. And then I would, you know, start to feel a bit guilty as well. But as I started to delve into this passage and ask God what he really wanted to teach us today, I decided to shift my way of going about this. Instead of asking, thanking God for everything that I saw in front of me in my day, I started thanking God instead when I remembered him uh, for the salvation that I have in Jesus, for the eternal life that I'm going to get to live with him and for the healing that he's done in my life through his spirit. Um, and I'm being honest with you, I was surprised by how much more peaceful that made me feel. Because when I was starting to feel a little bit stressed or things weren't really going the way I wanted in my day, uh, to remember what Jesus has done, to get the kind of perspective of the big picture that is so much more than my day today uh, was really powerful. Don't get me wrong, giving thanks for the things that God gives us is really good for us to do. Next week in our Thanksgiving service, we're going to spend heaps of time thanking God for these things. But the peace that we find is not in the things that God gives us. It's actually in who God is and what He has done for us through Jesus. When we give that kind of thanks to God in everything we do, when we constantly remember what Jesus has done for us, uh, that's really powerful. Uh, that shows the world around us that there is a hope that is far greater than their current situation or anything they can do or gain by themselves. There, we're showing the world that there is a hope that is founded on God's unconditional love for us. So in summary, as I finish now, I just want to remind you to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That peace that comes from what Jesus has done for you that can't be taken away by anything that happens or anything going on in the world or in your life. Let that be the thing that you appreciate and you value more than anything. So that as a member of the body of Christ, we can all be thankful for what Jesus has done. 
and that we can remind each other this by teaching one another, admonishing one another and coming together in worship. Because whatever it is that you do or or whatever it is that you say, let it reflect what Jesus has done for you. Give thanks to him so that the world around us can have the opportunity to know this same hope that you and I have. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.